Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. Do you think meat eaters can be animal lovers? Because there's an interesting debate on Mum's Nest that I wanted you to have a listen to. And it says, I'm a meat eater, but I was chatting to a vegan friend of mine about this and uh, I think she has a point. It makes no sense to call yourself an animal lover if you pay others to kill animals, take their milk and eggs, when it's perfectly possible to live without them. I couldn't help but agree with her. And as a non-vegan, had to uh, concede uh, that I really don't love animals as much as I thought. In fact, I'm putting the fact that they taste nice above their lives and well-being on a daily basis. I thought it would make an interesting point to see if anybody else would agree with me. Um, I don't know. Now, we did ask John Carmody from the Animal Rights Action Network. Um, you know, and you know John, he's all about the animals. He's with Peter now. We did ask John you know, to come on the air, but he couldn't. But he did send us a little voice message. And this is kind of what he said. Sorry, I can't ring in. I'm aware. But I just want to say that um, when it comes down to people eating meat and their love of animals, I just don't think that... Um you know, it's that black and white. Most of us weren't brought into this world being vegan or knowing what's happening animals in this world. Um, it only comes about as a result of advocacy and campaign groups and activists going out in the streets, meeting with people who genuinely do love animals instinctively. But it just it's just the case of kind of like joining the dots and bridging the disconnect and getting people to understand that all animals, not just the dogs and cats, want to be free of pain and suffering, as I've said before. Um, so it's all about awareness. It's all about, you know debate and discussion and and showing people that there is alternatives out there but um i have always believed that anything anyone can do to help animals is to be commended whether it's you know refusing to support the likes of sea world or greyhound racing anything like that or even choosing a meat-free monday or you know reducing their meat intake it all can help um cruelty-free products all that kind of thing um can help make a world of a difference to all animals so good discussion man. there you go it was a quite reasoned response to the whole thing but it does raise the question do you think a person can be a meat eater and an animal lover at the same time because i would claim to be an animal lover and i also claim to be a meat eater does that mean that i am a hypocrite. I mean, what do you think? Does it mean that I'm a hypocrite? Let me know. Uh, the number is 087-188-0008. That's 087-188-0008. Am I a complete and utter hypocrite? If I claim to be an animal lover, but yet I eat meat, drink milk, I don't like eggs personally or cheese, but I'll, I do all those things. Let me go to Andrew. Andrew, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Andrew? Oh, hiya, Niall. Thanks for having me on. Good, Andrew. Am I a hypocrite? I'd say that you definitely are, yeah. I don't know what you mean by loving animals. That's just sort of a reciprocal relationship where you give them something back and they give to you. I don't know how you're looking after cows, chickens, pigs. How do you love them, would you say? Well, when I say I love animals, I don't believe people should be cruel to animals, intentionally cruel. I don't... like I'd, there's certain things like I don't I don't agree with animal use in circus. I don't visit SeaWorld to see the animals. Uh, you know, I don't believe animals should be in captivity. I don't agree with zoos. But in saying that, I'm quite happy to eat meat because I believe as human beings um, that we do eat meat. 
Lots of human beings do eat meat and lots of human beings don't eat meat for various mm. reasons. Yeah. Ethical, environmental, uh, yes, I mean, there's plenty of reasons to not do it. But you say you don't uh, like animals being held in captivity, but 99% of all animals that are used are in factory farms. And they're held in captivity the worst you could ever imagine. So... Well, I, I, I think to be I think to be fair, Andrew, in Ireland, with the regulations with, with the regulations around animals and the slaughter of animals, I think the majority of said of cows and sheep tend to want they they have a reasonable life of grazing in the field until, of course, and I'm not denying the fact that they are killed for food, but I mean they do have a reasonable life. Well, if you consider being impregnated forcefully five times, having your baby stolen, having your male calves shot. Uh, uh, being forcefully milked uh, and your milk giving over humans as opposed to the baby's intended for it—that's a reasonable life. You know, you see them out in the fields and you go, "They're poster, poster animals for uh, the good life." It's it's uh, it's not true. Yeah, but, it, yeah, but it, yeah, but if we go back in time, if we go right back in time to man walking out of the cave and chasing whatever animal it was around a field, uh, you know, with a spear in his hand, I'm pretty sure that that person wasn't cruel. Uh, they were providing for their family. Now, the only difference between them and us is that we've mechanised that that situation and that whole action. Of course, we don't run around over, around animals. And, you know, we have evolved as human beings. Our teeth, our carnivorous teeth, are not as big as they would have been in Neanderthal man, for example. Our digestive systems are slightly different, uh, slightly shorter than they probably would have been many, many years ago. But we are considered, you know, scientifically to be omnivore. Yeah, that means that you can uh, survive on plant matter alone uh, if you have the opportunity to do that. Now, when you're well, a lot of people can't. A lot of people can't survive on plant matter alone. Who are these lot of people? Do you mean tribes people that don't no. have convenience? No, no, I, I believe that a lot of vegans don't survive on plant foods alone. They have to get supplements to have a healthy life. They also have to get uh, Amiga uh, oils for their brain and all those kind of things. So, I mean, I'm not saying all vegans do it, by the way. Yeah, some people's bodies are quite capable of living on plant life. Um, some people's bodies suffer because of it. Well, the largest groups of dietetics in the world, the American Institute and also the British Institute, have said categorically that a vegan diet, a whole food plant-based vegan diet, is perfectly adequate for all stages of life, including motherhood, infancy, sports, old age. So I don't know where you're getting your information from. No. Well, my, you infor- but my, inf- my information is anecdotal and it comes from people who have been vegan. I know somebody, for example, who recently went vegan and had to go back off a vegan diet because it just wasn't good for them. Didn't work for them. Okay. Right. Well, uh, I mean, if you're going to talk about it not being good for human health, the leading killer of people in the world is heart disease. And that's a lifestyle chronic disease, mostly caused Absolutely, by, by abuse of meat. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, but the, but that's people who abuse. I could also say that people probably abuse vegan diets as well. I mean, anybody who is abusing meat and you know eating you know twenty steaks a week or ten steaks and burgers and filling themselves full of proteins all week, well, you're you're destined to have high cholesterol and heart disease for the, you know at, at some point in your life. So that's people. I'm not talking about people who abuse meat. I don't abuse meat. You know, I'd, I'd have I probably have one steak a week. To be honest with you. But why do you even have the steak? Is it because, because I enjoy it. I enjoy it, and I and also most doctors, obviously vegan doctors wouldn't agree, but most doctors would agree that a balanced diet contains proteins, contains meat, eggs, dairy products. Eggs are not a health food. They're categorically cannot be stated as a health food. They're not necessary for the human diet. They're actually detrimental, very high in cholesterol, and you've acknowledged that that is a bad thing for human health. Oh, it is. 
I've been vegan for four years. I wasn't always, you know, like John Carmody has said in the snippet, uh, not everybody's born into this because we're never really made aware of the suffering that they would go through in order to put the food in front of the child's face and say, this is food that you require. And by the time you get used to it and you're addicted to salty, fatty animal foods, you already are kind of normalizing violence against these innocent I defenseless don't, I, creatures. I, 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 think that's, I think that's a bit of a step too far to make that statement that we're normalizing violence. I'm not violent towards animals. But you pay for them to be killed. Would you sit an animal's throat yourself in order Personally, to... Personally, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say, but, but, but I'm quite happy to eat it, yes. If you, if you want to say that I'm a hypocrite, well, well and good, that's fine. But I, well, and, I, and I'll accept the, t- the title to some degree. But in saying that, you know, I mean, human beings, we have evolved. But we don't necessarily have to give up meat because the majority of us, majority of us still eat meat. And we're quite happy to do so. Now, you're right, people abuse meat. And red meat particularly, by the way, can be quite dangerous if you, if you have too much of it. But it's also not bad for you if you have a if you have a uh, you know a, a balanced diet, and you eat healthy. I, I haven't seen this documentary myself, but uh, you might have heard of the Game Changers. Uh, James Cameron directed it. It was uh, an ex mixed martial arts fighter who got injured and decided he'd do what he could whilst injured to help his health, and he recognised that going vegan was the best thing for his performance. Fair play to. Yeah, no, it's it's hugely popular. The most popular documentary on Netflix, actually, of all time. But there's no evidence that vegans live any longer. Or, or being, well, being on a vegan seven, diet makes you live longer. Seven years on average is the uh, life expectancy. You live seven years longer as a whole food plant-based vegan. No, no, I tell you where those statistics came from, right? And I remember reading about this and the research involved in, in relation to that. Well, okay, so vegan, the vegan diet in itself will not make you live longer. But the fact that people are vegans uh, means that Many people who are vegans take care of themselves. In other words, they're quite conscious of their health. And many people are vegans not just for the ethical reasons, but they just want to be for dietary reasons, right? And they tend to take care of themselves. So for that reason, people who are vegans can live longer. Not vegans, if you understand the point I make. You can be a junk food vegan. As you know, like a vegan doesn't necessarily prescribe what you eat from day to day or meal to meal. Like, you know, uh, it can be anything but... Generally, as you know, uh, the World Health Organization have classed uh, processed meats as a class one carcinogen. So, well, it was ironic, by the way, that paper that was produced by the WHO was produced by a person who's a vegan. But anyway, but I'm not going to disagree with it. But I would absolutely agree that if you overindulge in red meat, it probably is a carcinogen. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm glad you acknowledge that. Well, I do acknowledge that, yes. But I mean, oh, there, there are, but there are a lot of things in life if we overindulge in could be quite dangerous for our health. There is no suggestion that if you have a balanced diet, that 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 in itself and a healthy diet, that that would be some sort of carcinogenic or some sort of, uh, I suppose, uh, highway or motorway uh, to heart disease. If you have a good well, diet, you don't get you won't get heart disease. Well, unless it's hereditary, of course. Well, you see, processed meat is a class one carcinogen. Red meat is a class two. There's strong links from the China study with uh, Dr. Ornish. The, the China uh, study has been proved to be absolute and utter nonsense. Many times. Debunked. It's been debunked so many times, the China study, in the way, in the way that the, the questions were asked and in the way that the statistics were formulated in Asia. So you have uh, one in a couple of tens of thousands that would get breast cancer in China. Now that they've adopted a more Western diet, or the women that went then to Western countries, they would then fall more in line with the ratio of cancer that we have here. 
which is highly related to dairy consumption. You're talking about one in three women might be diagnosed with some sort of breast cancer here. Same with prostate cancer. It's but the, exactly chi- the China right. study was almost used like a Bible for vegans back in 2007, 2008, or whenever, just before or just after it came out. It's, been, it's actually been out quite a while now. It was actually like their Bible. But since then, there's been many books out which have, you know, I think there was one that was just called Debunking the China Study. There's been many books out that have shown how faulted that research actually was. Hmm. Yeah, well, as you know, it does go back and forth. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you, you know, doctors differ, patients die. I'm not, I'm not going to, look, I'm not denying that your lifestyle is a healthy one. And as long as you know what you're doing and you're taking care of your health and you're getting the right amount of proteins and amino acids and B12s and whatever else that you need in your daily life, far away. I'm absolutely all for you. Go for it, Andrew. But the whole idea yeah. that we should be demonizing people, you know, and saying, well, you couldn't possibly love animals, you know, if you're not a vegan, I, I just think it's a bit much, a bit rich. I, I, I know you have a dog. I think I heard you in a previous... Yeah, um, yeah. Love her to bits. Millie. Millie. Yeah, a non-human family member, and I myself have two dogs and two cats. They're actually vegan dogs and vegan cats. The cat is 23 years old. It's perfect kidney function. Uh, the vets are given a clean bill of health. They're full of energy. They would not, uh, you know, feed them animals that have been raised in a factory farm uh, because I don't favour their life over any other sentient animal. And Cambridge uh, Declaration of Sentience that was only recently enough said, yes, all, all animals, you know, are, are fully sentient. They have an awareness of the world. So why would we put them through the, the torture when we don't need to do it? What I'm saying is cats are considered obligate carnivores. But once you know exactly what they require nutritionally, we know how to synthesize that, and we can give them a healthy, happy life without having to impose suffering on any other creature. So why wouldn't we do that? No, I, I do understand what you're saying, and I get the vegan argument, but that's your argument. This is my argument. I'm, I should be happy and all right to live my life as human beings have done for thousands of years. And if you want to live your life as a vegan, that's that's great. But you, you, you must be well aware, Andrew, of the situation, you know, the way vegans... I suppose, go on, like the famous joke, can anybody here fly the plane? No, but I'm a vegan. In other words, telling us they're vegans. I don't want to know if you're a vegan. Do you understand what I do? Obviously, it's nice I do because it's debate, but... Well, well, I would say, you know, like I wasn't always vegan myself and I didn't really know any vegans. I mean, you don't see it advertised very much. You do now, but like we are bombarded with advertisements for meat and dairy and all those sorts of things on television all the time. Uh, they would support even talk shows you know, they're on, and you have to be careful what you say. If you're uh, in that industry, you know you're you're kind of stifled by what you can and can't say. And I notice you are very pro meat uh, yourself, but I think I wouldn't say. Around. I think it's a bit. I, I don't think I'm pro meat. That that would be a, an odd argument to say. I, you know, I I don't like the idea. You know, that animals are hung up, their throats are slit, their blood is drained, whatever. You know, and I've seen some of the videos with the chicken's heads being cut off just to make me chicken nuggets and McDonald's. I've seen all those videos and I've seen that stuff, you know. And so to suggest that I'm pro-meat means that I'm, you know, in favour of all that cruelty to animals. But the point is, I suppose I'm apathetic towards it is probably the best way. And, you know, like most human beings, we are top of the food chain, whether you agree with it or not, Andrew. We are mm-hmm. top of the food chain. You know, just as much as I hate to see a Discovery Channel program where I see a lion chasing a wildebeest across the Serengeti Plain or whatever it happens to be and tearing them down and, you know, pulling them to bits. You know, I mean, yeah. do you understand what I'm saying? If I was to argue against that as well, should we stop lions from doing that? I know they're carnivores, but we should, should we stop lions? From that? No, we, we, of course we shouldn't. And that seems cruel too, doesn't it? But it's nature, well, isn't it? Not nature. 
I know what you mean. Yeah, it's uh, an appeal goes to major fallacy, some would say, because uh, we're not in a survival situation. We have mass. Well, we are. There's 8 billion of us now, isn't there? So, I mean, we are in a kind of survival situation. I mean, we need to provide food, you know, for for the human beings on the earth. I mean, you could argue that, you know, obviously, you know, to, to provide uh, wildlife or, should I say, agriculture, we need to have a certain amount of space and there's obviously a lot of methane gas and all that kind of carry on going on as well, which we could talk about the whole climate change thing later on if you want to. But in saying that, you know, if you look across the world uh, at the rise in the amount of vegans in the world, which is probably about 8 to 10% at the moment, I mean, we're now seeing, you know, forests being cut down uh, to, to grow soybeans and to grow tofu and all this kind of other stuff or produce tofu um, and palm oil and all those other sort of things. You're an informed man. You know, I mean, you wouldn't talk about this topic if you didn't know the facts. I don't know all the facts, Andrew. I don't claim okay, to well, know all of them. You, you do know that over 90%, and you're probably going to come back, 90% of Amazon destruction that we've all been hearing about is actually for cattle grazing, and that is to grow soybeans. And to that's grow changing. If you look in Brazil, for example, at the moment, and uh, the amount of fields that are being, uh, or trees that are being taken down to provide food for vegans. Look at America for, America, for example. Some of the biggest carbon footprints are... Now, of course, this is corruption because what they're doing is allowing fruit to rot purposely to control the prices. You know, I, the paddy fields in China, massive carbon footprints. That's for people who primarily, a lot of them are vegans. Uh, they want rice. And, and don't get me wrong, meat eaters eat rice too. I'm well aware of that. And we also eat lentils and we also eat things that vegans eat as well. But there is certainly a rise in the demand for those type of foods, which in turn, you know, is causing just as much as a problem. And if we all went vegan tomorrow and, you know, the animals were, I don't know, liberated or something like that, I'm assuming the amount of animals would drop because we wouldn't be breeding them for food anymore. Some of those might become extinct, actually. And um, th- we would be still knocking down rainforests. We'd be still, you know, tearing down, uh, I suppose, our chain in the geography of the world to produce food for human beings. We're killing 76 billion farmland animals every year, and not all of them are grass-fed. And even at the grass-fed claim that we say in Ireland, nearly like 4 million tonnes of soy and maize are imported from Brazil to Ireland to feed our cows and grazing animals. Uh, and that is getting worse because, you know, it's unpredictable weather. We have the fodder crisis that increased by 1 million tonnes actually in that year as well. So when you say it's vegans that are eating all the soy, it's actually not. I mean, just what? But no, I did admit that obviously meat eaters eat soy, meat eaters eat lentils, meat eaters eat rice and all those other plant-based foods. But what I'm saying to you is that the increase of veganism has certainly increased the demand for those foods. Yeah. And, and of like course, said, if we all went vegan, that would increase the demand even more for those particular types of food. And those particular types of food, we need space to grow them as well. So and we have to remember, ideally, the situation is to half the population of the world. So I'll be down to 4 billion, and then we might survive a little bit better. But the population is 8 billion, expected to grow, probably up to about 20 billion in the next 100 years. But you did hear that, I quote, on the number of farmland animals oh, no, that breed and kill and feed every day. But what would happen? Okay, if you yeah. got your way, Andrew, right? 56 billion. Okay, if you got your way, and, and you know, well, when I say if you got your way, I don't mean that in some sort of negative tone, but I mean, if you got your way and we all decided to go vegan tomorrow, right? What would happen to all those cattle, pigs, sheep? What do you think is going to happen to them? Well, first of all, they take up huge amounts of land. You can produce 10 times the protein from crops on the same amount of land that we have animals grazing on. And, you know, this whole idea of monoculture yeah, is a problem because it, it, it depletes the soil. But you can do crop rotation. So we can feed a hell of a lot more people if we were to... Okay, but what would happen to the animals? Do you just liberate but, them? But, 
Oh, no, but you, you, can, you can reforest the uh, area because you don't need as much land. They can go and roam in that area. You can, you can cordon it off so that they don't interfere with traffic or whatever. And the other thing is that it's not going to happen overnight, as you know. Hopefully, it could do. And if it did, um, yeah, they just wouldn't be forcefully impregnated. You wouldn't be having one cow having five calves. Uh, well, we, impre- we impregnate, we inseminate them to get milk, I suppose, mainly. It's called Dairy. rape racket. Farmers. Well, Farmers that's the word. well, that's the word you use, yeah. Well, I mean, they're held in place, you know. Inseminated. Like, uh, some some uh, animal who's not of their own kin, like, sticks a fist in their anus and then, like, uh, bull semen injected into their vagina, they whack off the bull. They, do. they don't let it naturally happen, so the cow never gets to mate with, you know, or the bull never gets to mate with its preferred uh, animals. There's no social... Uh, no, I'm not denying we're using animals. I'm not denying that we're impregnating dairy cows. I'm not denying that we take their young off them. I'm not denying all those things. But what I'm saying is that it's part of life, isn't it? Because we've always done it. We've just, we've got better at it. And I know there is regulations. And and I know in parts of the world, those regulations are not adhered to. And that's sad to see. And I've seen some of those videos. They're horrific. But I think in Ireland, I think particularly, I think those regulations are adhered to when it comes to farmers and the way slaughterhouses are done. And look, the the whole idea, even saying the word slaughterhouse is not, you know, it's not pretty. I understand that. But let let me go to Paul. Paul, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Paul? Niall, how are you? Andrew makes a good case. As a vegan, you know, he's kind of saying, well, how can you claim to love animals when you're quite happy to sit down to your Sunday beef, uh, knowing what that animal went through in his life and then the way he ultimately died? No, I've, or listened, she. Very, I've listened very closely to Andrew. And I have to say, he's a great grasp of the English language and he's, he's very articulate. But he's also like a reformed smoker when it comes to veganism. Um. Do you get where I'm coming from? I know, no, yeah, he did say he ate meat up to two years, three years ago, was it, or yeah? Exactly. Four years. Four, year, four yeah. years ago, okay. So let, let, me, let me tell you where I'm coming from, right? <clears throat> I, I um, do agree with Andrew to a certain, a certain degree, right? Now, I, in, in the last six months, I had, went for a, a check-up down with my GP and my cholesterol was through the roof. Now, I would have drank cappuccinos which is high in dairy I look, real butter um, you know full fat milk that's what it was weird on like like yourself Niall I, I love my Sunday joint on a Sunday a, a leg of lamb or a roast a joint of roast beef or ham or corned beef that's just and I was raised on that you know mm-hmm. I was raised but as, as we all were yeah. yeah but admittedly I you know when I went down to the doctor um I was told by my GP, Paul, get your act together, your cholesterol's through the roof, and I did change. I did change. Um, but I don't need somebody to come on a radio station and, you know, uh, tell me that I are, are trying to force down my throat that I have to become vegan. I'm not going to change. Now, when I went back to the GP, I tried to use a light spread with, you know, one of these famous spreads that are supposed to be good for you. I'm sorry, I said to my GP, I can't do it. I've done everything else you've asked me, but I can't. I love real butter, and I still use real butter. Now, if you want to become vegan, that's fine. But I'm not going to change. Now, when it comes down to domestic animals, Niall, you and I have spoken about dogs. You know I have a dog, and I absolutely idolise my dog. Right? Do you but, need him? Oh, absolutely no way. Oh, can we go? No. Yeah, but that's... Well, when, yeah, just, go on, sorry. No way. Of course I will. But, you know, if, if you go back, 
I don't know what age Andrew is, but you and I, Niall, we've spoken before. I'm guessing, he, I'm guessing he's 50. 38. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew, I apologise. <laughs> I've just put 12 years on you. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Well, Niall, you and, I, we, you and I have spoken before, and you and I would be very, very close to around the same age. And when you were when, when you were and I were growing up, Sunday was a meat and two veg. Me, ah, oh, my mother was skinned. I used to get hearts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sheep's hearts for Sunday dinner, yeah. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I, I, you know, I, I, I do agree with some of Andrew's sentiments, and he, and he, and he, and he has a lot of very, very yes, of course he very does. Good points. But I, I, I don't need to be told. You know, it's like it's like. But you said, are being you are being told that, and I'll accept the term hypocrite. That if you are eating meat, you're aware. Well, you don't obviously consciously be aware of it while you're munching away because you're enjoying your food, right? But you must be aware of the fact that some cow. To produce that bit of beef, that roast that you have on a Sunday joint, um, some cow was hanging, you know, on a hook and had his yeah. throat slit. I understand that, yeah. Yeah. I, I do understand that. But So does that bother you? I mean, because the idea is that vegans say you can't be an animal lover, uh, you know, and, and eat and eat dairy products or meat. Well, I, well, I tell you what does bother me. This, this um, you know, the, 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 um, the guilt tripping. No, the, the <laughs> processed chicken and the turkey's been fattened up for Christmas and all that kind of... Now, that bothers me. That mm-hmm. does bother me. Mm-hmm. I have to be honest. You know, that's just that's just commercialism. That's just... Well, well, I suppose that's the tip of the iceberg when it comes to, you know, the animal's life. The animal is being bred. And yeah. I'm only taking the position as a vegan here. I'm not a vegan. But the animal is being bred to be killed. Yeah. Ultimately, so does it really matter if they're pumping them full of, you know, fluids to fatten them up or whatever it happens to be? I mean, does it really matter? Because at the end of the day, you know, he doesn't, generally speaking, for example, Christmas turkeys or chickens that you, you get every day in your supermarket, they never see the outside of a shed. Well, can I ask Andrew a, a, a question? I think it's a good question. Yeah, no butter. When did you discover veganism, Andrew? Very late in life, uh, Paul. Yeah. Um, it was only four years ago. Uh, yes, yeah. I watched, I was part of a, a book reading club with my mates and one of them suggested hey why don't we watch this documentary it's called Earthlings Jacqueline mm. Phoenix the Joker and Moby the musician were doing uh, he did the voiceover and the music there and uh, just the first time I come face to face actually seeing the process of my food you know that I've been privileged mm. to enjoy without ever really being forced to think about it. it never comes up in ethics and philosophy you never get that in school it's just kind of like I say children are fed animals that they actually like and would befriend otherwise and they're not fully aware that's what they've done and then it becomes culturally normal and before you know but it, it is culturally normal Andrew, Andrew, isn't it? See, and, yeah and the reason and I'm glad you said that it's culturally no, cons, it's culturally normal, normal yeah thank you Niall I couldn't get that <laughs> sorry it's okay <laughs> um, it's a mouthful because Niall if you remember when we were growing up as, as, as kids and I don't know whether Andrew would Andrew may not remember this he's a lot younger than you and I but every movie that you looked at on TV people smoked mm-hmm Every soap, you know, in the early days of college... Sure, interviewers on television smoked yeah. while they were presenting yeah. the programme. Yeah. And, and you you remember, there was a, you know, if you go back to the the, the TV commercials, there was, I think for Marlboro cigarettes, there was a guy, there was a couple of cowboys out there. That's right, yeah. Yep, right? Yep. Ro- Rossman's was on, on, on the dashboard of a 747, <laughs> you know. And Absolutely. And we had no idea, you and I, and even our parents, we had no idea of the damage that that was being done. And a lot of people paid the price in later life. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't mean that to sound condescending, because it's not. You know, my, my, my own mother, 
passed away. As did mine with emphysema, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And my mum my got breast cancer, and it was all down to smoking. But when we were growing up, and the point I'm trying to make is that when we were growing up, Andrew, it, not only with the smoking, but um, our way of life as children growing up was a, a roast joint on a Sunday. And um, it's only in, 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 I don't know, would, 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 would it be... I, I'm only aware of veganism in the last, the within the last five, six years. years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd, I'd go ten, ten max. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Within, I know. I, I get your points. Um, yes. You know, it seems like it's sort of moral condemnation and you know shoving things down your throat all of a sudden when this is kind of what you've known culturally and this is our tradition and our family. Well, it's social. Our, it's it's millions of years yeah. of social conditioning. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not saying... No, 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 let, let Andrew finish that. Andrew, is that a fair point? You, you talk about culture. It's millions of years of social conditioning. And not just social conditioning, by the way, because, I mean, our intestines are quite capable of eating meat. Now, obviously, we have to cook it. And well, vegan, vegans oh, point out, you know, oh, well, then if you have to cook it, it couldn't be right. But your vegans cook their plant food as well, you know what I mean? So it's to make it taste nice. Sure, well, I mean, cooking meat change the taste, I guess you get rid of the blood if you don't particularly like that. Ah, um, but it's mostly, it's mostly the seasoning uh, and the preparation and all the garnishings and all the rest. Yeah. It's not, like raw meat is not something that is particularly palatable to people. Uh, we do have to dress it up and we disguise it. Like, you don't see carcasses in a supermarket when you go in there. Really, you're seeing a dismembered, uh, nicely packaged uh, and maybe with a picture of a happy animal on the front. I'm, I'm assuming vegans use removed. seasoning as well, by the way. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, because rice, for example, is a pretty bland piece of food, you know, and and you know, and so is soya. I mean, they're they're very bland. You so you season them too. Well, I don't season my uh, fruits. I mean, I find them very. No, well, I eat fruit too. You know, I I can be a meat eater and eat fruit. Of course, you can. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Um. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Did you have a question for me? Oh yeah, so yeah, I said to you. I mean, you talk about the it's cultural. I said to you, it's not just cultural. It's it's millions of years of social conditioning. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I would have stripped a, a chicken carcass bare. Like, you know, that's kind of what I knew to do, and I never thought twice about it, and I thought it was necessary for my health. Once I realized it's not necessary, then it just seems like... Yeah, so you had I an epiphany. Me, but, you know, like I said, I just, no one ever really challenged me that way or ever brought up the, the topic. I, I, think that's, I think that's unfair, Andrew. I think we're all very aware. I mean, you, okay, you had your epiphany, and that's fine, three years ago, and that's what you decided to do. But I think the point that Paul is making is is that, you know, Paul had his bit of epiphany, too, when he went and visited the doctor. So he needed to obviously cut back on certain types of foods for a healthier lifestyle. And not because what he was eating was bad for him. He was overindulging, and he was exactly. abusing the food he was eating. Exactly. Sure. You know well, I mean, every time that every time that you maybe have a little bit of meat, and that's not too bad for you, it does mean that an animal is killed. An animal, just like your dog, I don't think that you would happily send your dog to a slaughterhouse to be euthanized. You probably spend as much money as you could, send it to a vet, giving all the love and care you could. You wouldn't certainly shoot it in the head. You wouldn't slash his throat open. And a lot of the time, those bow guns don't work. You've got ex slaughterhouses. I know. I know. They end up in like pigs end up in scalding tanks, splashing for their lives. <laughs> You know, being burnt and boiled alive—that's that's their fate. Just because you that's want to that's horrible, Andrew. Because I, I actually, I was—I'm sure you might have seen it, and Niall, you probably saw it as well—the documentary that 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 was done on prime time, and uh, there was a there was a segment there where in uh, there it wasn't here in Ireland; it was in China, 
where they actually had a greyhound and they actually put it live into boiling water mm-hmm. and I was I it was horrific. Now I was well, that's part I, of the that's part of the culture to boil yeah, it well, alive. I, now yeah. I, I was sick to the pit of my stomach. Now I really, but, really yeah, but the you know, hang on. The only reason you're sick to the pit of your stomach is because you're socially conditioned to believe there's something wrong with that. For example, we keep dogs as animals, as pets, should I say? In places like Korea, for example, they eat them. Now, that's different social conditioning. You take India, for example, they don't eat cows. They believe cows are sacred. Uh, we, eat, we eat cows. They're horrified by the fact that the West kill and slaughter <coughs> cows. So it's all, that's all to do with different types of social conditioning around the world. So the idea that somebody boils a dog alive, I mean, you go into a good restaurant here in Dublin, they'll throw a lobster into a pot alive, and, and people think nothing of that. But yet they're horrified that some greyhound is boiled alive in Korea or China. We have no right to be horrified if we accept that we do it here as well. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a term species. It's conditioning again. You're, 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 you're not, it's all no conditioning. Would you say, one at a time, Paul, just finish what you wanted to say. Then I'll, sorry, I'll let you answer that, Andrew. Go ahead. Sorry, Paul. Go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> We're all very polite to each other tonight. This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Andrew. Yes, social conditioning in relation to dogs. I suppose we are socially conditioned to believe they're man's best friend and our pets. Where you go to Korea, they're socially conditioned to believe it's food and you can cook it alive as we do with lobsters. Now, not all Koreans do that. No, not all Koreans, no. I mean, there's a lot of animal rights activists in Asia, in China, in Korea, and they are fighting against that. So, like, it's not just a blanket, oh, they're terrible because it's dogs, you know. Um, But like I said, I mean, pigs, a lot of the time, end up trashing around in scalding tanks. So Mm -hmm. it may not be on purpose, but you have this really fast conveyor belt line that has to be met, uh, whether the animal, like, is conscious or not. So, you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, So you Mm -hmm. have to be aware of that. You buy what you buy in the supermarket. Cultural conditioning, yeah, we're all we're all culturally conditioned to, I suppose, mostly accept that eating animals is necessary, normal, and you know, healthy. But we know that certainly it's not necessary for your health. So then I just started questioning: Well, why am I willing to make this cow be stuck in a machine, have its throat slashed open and bleed out, just so I can have like a five-minute taste sensation that I can get from other foods? So. I just had a total epiphany, as you said, and they switched around there and then, so I'm not that important. But well, what about, what about, you know, when we talk about soya and we talk about rice and we talk about other things, why should you uh, get your five-minute taste sensation because some underpaid worker is, you know, picking your soya or your rice or the paddy field somewhere in China? So we can, we can make those ethical arguments about everything. We've made those ethical arguments, for example, about electric cars, the battery and the, the lithium that's needed for the batteries, you know, and in these countries where, you know, kids are literally mining for them and, and underpaid or paid slave labour. So there's ethical arguments against everything. So this shirt I'm wearing, there's probably an ethical argument against that as well. You know, somebody made it in a shop somewhere and probably got paid three euro for the month, you know, or the equivalent of. So we, we, we can always have ethical arguments. But stay there for a second, because I want to go to uh, Adina, I think it is. Adina, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Adina? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good. Adina, I mean, you agree, uh, you disagree with Paul, but you agree that you can't be an animal lover and be a meat eater at the same time. Um, yeah, no, I think that's, that's fair. Um, I've been vegan for two years, and I went vegetarian when I was quite young. I went vegetarian when I was 10, and I'm 22 now, so I haven't had meat in about 12 years. Okay. Um, and my standpoint would have come from the fact that, you know, when I was a child, I would have said, yes, I love animals. But as I've gotten older... You made a decision, I'm just sorry, can I come back a little bit? You made a decision at 10 years of age to be a vegetarian. That was very yeah. young to make that kind of decision, wasn't it? 
yeah, I was uh, I was a very observant child. Did you not um, Did you not like the taste of meat, or was it just for ethical reasons? Um, it was for ethical reasons. You know, I didn't eat a lot of meat growing up, but something I've noticed actually from listening to the, the gentleman talking, um, it, it's something that I've I've seen a lot of actually, where people are very emotional in how they talk about food. Um, you know, bringing up the Sunday roast and what you ate growing up, mm-hmm. and I guess. I've never had any kind of emotional attachment to food. You know, the attitude in, in my household, particularly from my dad, you know, my, my dad would have had the Sunday roast. You know, my dad's an older man. Um, yep. But he, he recently went plant-based. And he's... Is he, a, is he a vegan now? Um, yes, he would be plant-based. Well, plant-based is, is vegan, but... um. No, but I'm, I know, I'm just I'm saying, is he has he gone totally into it and not just vegetarian? Um, yeah, for the most part, yeah. Um, but he, you know, both of us kind of have the idea that food is fuel. We don't get emotionally attached to our food. We put into our bodies what our bodies need. And that's very boring, isn't it? No, not necessarily. Well, it is um, for some people. Some people actually enjoy eating. You know, they like well, to go out for a nice restaurant and sit yeah, there to a nice meal and, and actually enjoy the event of eating. As human beings, we like to, right. we have taste buds. We were given, you know, nature has yeah. given us these taste buds. And, and the thing is as well, when you think about our taste buds and how we abuse our taste buds, you know, when we overuse salt and other condiments, you know, my dad and I can sit down and we can eat our foods and um and enjoy the flavours that, that that's in front of us, the natural flavours a lot of foods have. But just to go back, I guess, to... Again, well, meat, meat has nice flavours too, but if you're, well, a meat e- if you're a meat eater. Well, frankly, that's the seasonings. That's the, the, the spices that would be used. But Absolutely. Just to go back, um, but the meat is nice too, sorry. But, but, the, but the thing is, is that, you know, we talk about the lion chasing their prey. They don't have any kind of emotional attachment to their food. And the difference between us and other carnivorous animals is that we have moral agency. And that means that, you know, we, we do know the difference between right, right and wrong. And, you know, this idea of being in survival mode. Industrial farming takes place outside of nature. You know, well, I'm aware of that, animals, yeah. it's not predator versus prey. Cows and sheep and pigs are bred outside of nature, outside the natural food chain. Mm-hmm. So to argue that this is part of the food chain is simply not true because it's an industry. Because it's, of, it, course, it's well, it's of course, it's an industry now because we have a population of 8 billion people. Absolutely, yeah. it's an industry. It's a massive industry, by the way. Yeah. Agriculture is a oh, huge industry. Massively. Yeah. And has caused a lot of what is looking to be irreversible damage if it's not. Um, okay, when you talk about irreversible damage, what, what damage are you talking about? I'm talking about, you know... Emissions. I'm talking about the fact that we, we know, could we equally have, we could equally blame you know vegans for much of those emissions too. And if we all went vegan tomorrow, vegan, the emissions wouldn't be any different. I've looked at the research in relation to that. Tiny, but here's the thing: even though veganism is you know quote unquote trending, um, about eight percent at the moment. Yeah, we are we are a tiny tiny minority. So to suggest that we are responsible in a massive way. No, not in a massive way, but you are, respo- you are responsible. Um, if I could finish my point. But the thing is, the foods that I eat are no different to the side dishes that meat eaters would eat. Absolutely. You know? but, but the point we I made to Andrew is that the more people that become vegan, the demand for those foods goes up. And those foods equally have carbon foods. footprints too, if you want but to go down that route. My point, if I can finish my point here, is that these foods are already consumed in everybody's diets in varying amounts. 
here's the thing about the Western diet, which is, you know, high meat consumption, high dairy consumption. If people ate that way all over the world on a global scale, it's it's just not sustainable. And there are studies that back that up. But I'm, but I'm, look, I'm looking at studies, for example, where they found 13 tribes or lost tribes, for example, uh, of people who lived till, you know, grand old ages, just like the men up in the Himalayas uh, who lack oxygen but still managed to live very long. Uh, but th- these 13 tribes they found, and none of them were vegan. And they are, dis- and this link that they say with cancer, they, they're eating meat and they don't have cancer. They don't even have cancers. Right. They don't have diseases because they haven't been in touch with diseases. But we also have GMOs. We have, if you look at the way that our society is and we look, you look at the way that we eat, it's not a healthy one. But also in terms of the animals. I, th- I think a lot of the damage that's done to human beings is by processing of food. It's not so oh, much actually, the actual raw food. It's the processing of the food. But studies come out about, the, about the, the harm that animal products have on our bodies. And people are very, very quick to jump the gun and say, yeah, yeah, no, that, that's all not true. That's not true. You know, we can be healthy and have animal products. We can. Yeah, in, in varying amounts, of course. No, but there's a lot of, I mean, there's 8 billion people in the world and the majority of us, thankfully, are quite healthy. Uh, so, I, in saying... I disagree. I mean, who, who are the majority here? I mean, if we're People who eat, cells, people who are on healthy diet. diets. There are people who are starving all over the world who don't well, that's have... That's a whole different argument. That's, well, that's, a, that's a whole different argument. Deforestation of taking over land. Well, deforestation is also, you know, is also a problem when it comes to veganism too because we need to deforest as well to grow uh, the demand to, for the, to meet the increasing demand for like soya, lentils and everything else. But it's there to feed livestock. Okay, but, the, no, but well, it's also there to feed vegans too and that demand is growing on a daily basis. But when it comes to animals and when it comes to saying can you be a meat eater and love animals. You know, okay, what's the definition of love here? Because if you look at the way that human beings view other animals, and when we look at the term animal lover, what does it come from? It's, it's we love animals, why? Because they're cute, or because they're of a particular use to us. You know, when it comes mm-hmm. to cats and dogs, you know, I adopted two dogs from Animal Welfare. Their previous owners would have probably called themselves animal lovers, but those two dogs were gawked at in a pen. They were never walked, they were never taken out. And they were yeah, well that's, well, that's because the people who used to own the, do- the dogs, nothing to do with veganism or uh, meat eating, they were just idiots. But it's, but it's to do with, hang on, but it's to do with the whole animal loving thing that people, you know. There are, but they're meat eaters who love their animals and look after their dogs and cats. But at the same time, they're eating meat. They're not necessarily loving okay. animals. All right, well, well, okay. Well, well, let, let, well, let me just bring Emmanuel in as well on this. Emmanuel, you're on Classic Gets. How you doing, Emmanuel? Hey, Noel, how's it going? Good. You used to be a vegetarian, but not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, okay. I grew up, when I was a young man, I was like into health and fitness and bodybuilding and everything. So I ate meat when I was young. But um, I came to a, a, a crisis of conscience on the, on the meat thing. And I decided I don't want to be a part of the death anymore. So I decided to go uh, vegetarian, right? So the weight dropped off me. I don't know whether it was my fault or not, but uh, whether I was doing the diet properly. But um, the weight just literally dropped off me overnight. And I became very weak. And I went from ailment to ailment. And um, I'm a Christian, of course, and I, I love the Holy Scripture. And I came across a part in the Holy Scripture that says, eat meat for strength, right? It was like a direct command in the Holy Scripture, you know. So that spoke to me at the time. It says, right, if it's okay by God, then it's okay by me. I'm going to eat meat. And now I'm happy and healthy and uh, striving, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, so the so Bible the idea, was your game changer. The, the idea of uh, morality and everything, look, uh, I mean, as a Christian... It's okay to um, eat me, right? If it's okay by God, it's okay by me. I, I don't know. I well, I don't know whether you're. Are you a Christian, uh, Edna? 
Uh, Adina, no, sorry. I'm an atheist. Okay, is it? It is Adina. Am I pronouncing your name properly? No, it's it's Adana. <laughs> Adana, I do apologize. Okay, so so you're an atheist. Andrew, are you an atheist? A Christian or what are you? Of course. Oh, what does of yeah. course mean? Which which of the the latter of the two, a Christian or an atheist? Oh, sorry, uh, an atheist. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, uh, and Paul, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, you've you've heard Adana's argument in relation yeah. to the you know that you know you can't do both. You can't be pretending to love animals and then sit down, you know, with your steak. Well, as I said, and I think it's very important that, as you and I, Niall, when we were growing up, this is what we this is what we grew up with. And I have no problem when, as I said, I I was overdoing it. Uh, I went to the GP. As I yeah, said, yeah, I okay, was, that's I, fair enough. I was overdoing it, and I did change. But you know, I have totally res- total respect for both Andrew and that young lady that's on there. And, and that's their choice. That's mm-hmm. their choice. But my choice is that I still want to have my my roast lamb, my roast leg of lamb, and my roast. Oh, she said, "Okay, what they're saying is that's fine. You fire away and do that, but don't pretend you're an animal lover." So, well, you probably just heard me dog barking there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I am an animal lover. Of course, I'm an animal lover, and I'm I'm a, I'm I'm very conscious. Well, you know, um, I have what is considered to be a domestic pet, right? Mm-hmm. I look, if anything happens, I bring him to the vet. He gets his injections. I have a license for him. I do exactly what. Uh, 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 an owner should do in relation to looking after my dog. An animal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But as I said, I do understand where both Andrew and um, Adana is coming from. Yeah, but they also must respect that. What I, I ask, you know. But they, see, I this is the, this is the problem, and I find that it doesn't work both ways. That. And, you know, Adana and Andrew and other vegans will expect you to respect their wishes. And I do respect their wishes if that's when they, they want to eat a plant-based diet. But they don't respect my wishes or Emmanuel's wishes. Can I just interject there for a moment here? Yeah. You know, but, you're talking about the fact that it's a choice. Um, the way that I would see it is that I think, God, I'm, I'm actually quite in a very privileged position that this is merely a choice for me. It's not a choice for a cow. It's not a choice for pigs or sheep or the other animals that we abuse. It's not a choice for But chicken. they don't have equal rights. They, they don't, but the thing is... And, they sh- and neither should they. But we are... But they are their own beings. They're they, sentient they are, beings, yes. They're sentient. They, have, they should have autonomy. Oh, no, what stop, gives, please. But what, gives, but what gives us the right... So you want an animal to have autonomy them. over its own body? I don't think that it's our right to use and abuse them. And I think that for some... For, a species like us to talk the talk about, you know, equality and better treatment, then we need to extend that. Because at the end of the day, harming other animals, we are harming ourselves, we are harming the planet, we are destroying... We harm each other, by the way. But how we harm each other, absolutely. And, And that's the problem. And we actually, you know, when you look at slaughterhouse workers, I mean, there are studies that have found that slaughterhouse workers have some of the highest cases of anxiety, depression and PTSD as a result of the work that they do. You know, at the end of the day, I've made a choice, sure, but my choice was made on the basis that, you know... Well, it's an ethical choice. It's a moral choice. Why should I get to choose whether or not another being lives or dies? Why do I get that choice? But but, but I, I, I made the point to Andrew as well that if you want to be really ethical and moral about this, a lot of the food you eat is being picked by underpaid workers and slave labor. There's also 
also fair trade. In fact, I put you know I mean? the fair trade label on everything that I buy, and I do my best to make sure that I am, you know, trying to be as, as ethical as possible. And we've also we've also had laws come in. I'm not too sure which country recently. I think I need to check with me. I think it was Belgium. Uh, they've just brought in a law that you can't have your baby on a vegan diet. But here's the thing: because it's, it's because doctors have shown and scientists have shown it's not healthy for a baby. I'm sorry, but that's... Wait, no, I'm just saying, they, they, I, I'll try and find sorry, the quote but, for you because I did another... No, well, hang on. I did another show about six, seven months ago. So my memory doesn't serve me very well on exactly what the doctors and scientists said. Now, I've got to lean to try and find the quote if I can. But this came from a, a study in Belgium by the University of whatever it was, by Professor whoever it was, who knows a lot more than you and I about plant-based and meat-based diets and foods. And he said that it wasn't healthy to have a baby on a vegan-based diet. That if you want to make a choice to be a vegan, you know, at some point in your life when you reach your teens or whatever it is, you fire away and do that as long as you do it responsibly. But, but in saying that... But at a later stage in life than it is in the earlier stage? I okay. know two vegan... I know two vegan babies, um, one of whom is three now, and he is thriving. He has never been sick. His waist gain has been... And, I mean, and in many cases have we heard of, of babies... I mean, there was a horrific case in Florida where they wouldn't even bring the bloody baby to a, a hospital because hospitals use medication which might have animal byproducts in it. And well, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure, Adana, you wouldn't... Adana, if you want to come right down to it, would you refuse medication that had animal byproducts in it? No, I would not. But no. The other so well, then are we all... Well, then, really, Adana, we're all bloody hypocrites, aren't we? Now, just, oh, okay, no, we yeah. I, I never, but hang on, I never... Well, okay, well, let me just clarify, because somebody will complain, you know, to the Broadcasting Authority that I said something that was out of turn here, okay? Let me clarify the story. Doctors in Belgium have called for parents who raise their children on vegans uh, as vegans to face prosecution after a number of deaths in schools, nurseries and hospitals. It's estimated that 3% of the Belgian children are forced to follow a strict diet which rules out any animal products, including dairy and eggs. The Royal Academy of Medicine of Belgium published a legal opinion on Thursday. Uh, this, by the way, dates back to last May. Uh, on Thursday, um, which would influence uh, future court judgments. And it is the first time a healthy authority, our health authority, has taken a serious position on veganism in the country. And the opinion said it was unethical to subject a child to a diet because it didn't include animal products and vital amino acids, which can help the growth and prevent health problems. Now, there are ongoing studies that will probably refute the idea that a vegan diet is unhealthy for children. It is an ongoing case. But how many deaths do we hear of on a regular basis? How many parents have been jailed? There was a case in France. There's been two cases in the UK. those articles, I have a journalism background myself. When you read those articles and you look beyond the headlines, you will see that there is actually a lot of other contributing factors at play. Like the parents were nut jobs. Yeah. But the parents, okay, the parents being nut jobs, Obviously, there was a lot of instability in the fact that a child was mistreated, but that was actually not to do with the child being on a plant-based diet. Now, when it comes to hypocrisy, when it comes to the treatment of animals, when it comes to the treatment of humans, when it comes to the fact that there are workers who are underpaid for their well, labour. Can I ask a question? Veganism, yeah, well, there well, is no thing as a cruelty-free way of living. No, 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 and I would agree with you. I think we're all unethical by times. Sorry, Emmanuel wants to ask you something, Adana. Sorry. But I, but can I just finish that point? This is important. Any vegan who tells you, I am vegan, therefore I live a cruelty-free lifestyle, is lying to you and they're only kidding themselves. The idea behind going vegan is trying to reduce the amount of damage that you are doing to the planet and to reduce the cruelty that you are contributing to. There is no way to live a cruelty-free life, and I understand that. All I'm trying to do 
is limit the amount of pain and suffering that I'm inflicting on other beings that I share the planet with. Okay, okay. Now, well, so, well, well, hang on. I, I don't have much time because, I, and I want to let Emmanuel hang on, Dan. I'll give you loads of time. I just want to let Emmanuel ask the question because I have to wrap it up in a second. Sorry, Emmanuel. Go ahead. As a me, I have the problem with um, certain uh, in the meat industry in Ireland is the halal meat in Ireland. Do you have anything to say about the halal meat and the way? To practice the way they kill the animals. Well, Jim, you know, I, 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 well, hang on. I'm with the greatest respect, Emmanuel, do you go to McDonald's? No, we don't. You've never been to McDonald's in your life? Well, I have been, yeah. Okay, have you had a chicken nugget? Um, no, I'd, I'd have a Big Mac, but go on. Okay, but most people are probably... And I had somebody on here arguing during the week about halal meat, and yes, it is. it does seem certainly a crueler way to produce milk or meat because if people aren't aware, the yeah, animal's still alive when they slit their throat. But, but the point is, if you've had a chicken nugget, you've had a halal meat. There you go. And you're supporting halal meat. So this idea, where that's just hypocrisy again of people giving out about halal. A lot no, of the meat no, that you're no, eating no, no, accidentally, no, 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 by the way, is halal. Let me just find myself there. Halal is being brought in under the radar. People don't know it's not being brought in under the radar. It's very obvious. It's not. But there's nothing There's nothing under the radar about it. There is halal meat being produced in this country. There is halal meat being imported into this country on a daily basis. There's nothing under the radar about it. And people are eating it unknowns to themselves. They're, they're eating it. The animal dies in pain whether it's halal or not. Well, well I, I know that, but if you watch, for example, and I watched the documentary about the chicken nuggets, um, and I don't know particularly if it was McDonald's, but it was certainly chicken nuggets being produced, obviously, for supermarkets and for frozen food and so that. And the chickens are basically hung up alive on a hook. They go through a machine, and as they're going through the machine, they're beheaded, um, and the blood drains from the body while they're still alive. They're still shaking. That's halal. Terrific. It's absolutely. I know, I know, well, I know, I'm aware it's horrific, but so that's halal, Emmanuel. That's if you're eating chicken, G chicken, G chicken, Emmanuel. I eat chicken, yeah. Yeah, okay, I, well, there you go. I live no. at a certain level of suffering, but I have faith in the industry that they... Well, then don't bring the halal into it. You're only bringing that in for some sort of argument in relation to Muslims or something. I don't know why you're bringing that into it. I want to know why these people are so Yeah, it doesn't matter. I think, Emmanuel, it's a completely irrelevant point, to be honest with you, because it doesn't really matter what way the animal's being killed. The point that vegans will make is the animal's being killed anyway, unnecessarily. suffering in halal is terrible. Well, yeah, but yeah, but most people in Ireland support it. So, what are you talking about? They say unknowns to themselves. They argue about it because they want to get some sort of, I don't know, discriminatory buzz out of it. But at the end of the day, they're eating halal and supporting halal. On my conscience, I wouldn't touch halal. But you probably are on a daily basis, whether you know it or not. Do you eat chicken? Do you buy chicken in the supermarket? Sorry. Do you ever buy chicken in the supermarket? I do. Yeah, did you ever buy frozen chicken? Like, you know, you buy those frozen best. Did you ever have a chicken burger? I, did you ever eat a chicken burger in your life? I, I, what I believe it was most likely halal. I'm buying Irish chicken. I'm buying Irish chicken. It's not halal. That's what I you, and what, So you've never been to a fast food takeaway? Yes, I have. And, and, and did you ask the guy in the chipper, was it Irish? I no, you didn't. Don't be Emmanuel. Come on, stop. He buys it in frozen. He's buying it in bulk. Most of it's not coming from Ireland. It comes from other countries around the world, and most of it's halal. It should be made clear that it's halal at the point of sale. That's why. What difference does it make? It's but a it dead animal. Because the animal, is dead. Me, the animal is dead. Halal. The animal has died a painful death. The, the animal has been pumped full antibiotics. The animal has has lived a very tough life and has died terribly either way. So to say that you support Irish beef. Irish chicken, and then say, oh, but halal is bad. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> doesn't really make a huge amount of difference, to be honest with you, Manuel. It really doesn't. The animal is dead. The animal has died a horrible death. It's governed by certain standards, and we have faith that the 
Okay, so we kill them in a nice way. Is that what you're trying to There's say? There's no such thing as ethical slaughter. Yeah. No such thing. There's no such thing as humane slaughter. I mean, I, I will, I, I'm not a vegan, and I'm not a vegetarian, and I'm kind of on your side, Emmanuel, but she is right. There is no such thing as a humane way to kill an animal, realistically, when you're killing it unnecessarily, right? Lads, ladies, thank you very much indeed. Um, and I'm now certainly not switching to vegan, by the way, in case somebody thinks I am about that last comment. Uh, I still support meat eaters. Another person says, Hi, Nile, if you were an animal lover, you won't have a dog or a cat as a pet. They're wild animals. Uh, also domesticated and inbred for years for our amusement and pleasure, says Anthony in Cork. You're right. I did hear a guy in RTE one day. He was a vegan. And he was saying that people who have dogs and cats should all be charged with kidnapping and keeping animals without their permission and consent. Uh, and our person says, I like meat, beef, pork, all of us. Uh, last night I watched a show called The Game Changer. Many athletes who have changed to a plant-based diet. I'm into cycling myself, just back training after an accident. And after watching the show, I shocked myself and considered it more of a plant-based diet. Now, you should watch the show and then come back and talk about it. It's on Netflix. I, I, I'm aware of the program, um, and somebody did mention it to me before. But still, and, and I'm not suggesting, by the way, there aren't athletes in the world who are vegans. There are, depending on the sport, by the way. Uh, there are athletes in the world, depends on the muscle base that they need, for example, who are, who are vegan. I'm well aware of that. You're not going to get a weightlifter who's a vegan, for example. I don't think there is anyway, uh, because they need a lot more muscle, which needs a lot more proteins. Um, but in saying that, 99% of the world records that have been set have been set by meat eaters. After the break, we're going to talk to Steve with his very unusual dilemma. All right, uh, loads of uh, people text us. He says, now you put Emmanuel back in his box. I did. The halal argument has come up once or twice. There was a guy come on here about two weeks ago. He says, no, did you see the RT News segment where they said they were giving halal meat to kids? And I said, well, what's the problem with that? And he went, oh, yeah, forcing our Muslim uh, thingy on us. And I was going, but he said, what are you talking about? Sure, kids, most kids have been to different places where they get chicken nuggets or whatever it is, or chicken and fast food joints. Most of that is halal, if you take it technically. It is halal because the animal is usually not put to sleep before it's killed. If you look at the videos online, because most of the meat would be imported. A lot of that meat for fast food would be imported. Yes, there is Irish meat on the shelves, you know, but a lot of meat, particularly beef, uh, would be Irish. Most of the beef that you would see would be Irish, unless you buy it in certain shops, it wouldn't be Irish. But most beef that you buy in this country would be Irish, but chicken is probably not. Not most of it, anyway. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.